Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and I'm on the outskirts of Hungerford. I'm currently sat in a hotel room recording this. You'll find out why later on. But joining me to review all the action this weekend in the National League is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hello, Luke, and uh, good to speak to you. You're even further south than me today. I am, yeah. I think I'm the further south out of all of us, <laughs> which is rare. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of a nosebleed venture in this far south. <laughs> Might need my passport to go back. Uh, and also joining us is Dickie. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Luke. How are you both? Morning, good. Very, very well, thanks. So in the National League, Rob, very interesting at the top. The late kickoff was Sutton against Barrow. Barrow 2-0 up, squandered that lead, and Sutton drew 2-2. And then Harrogate went and won as well. They had a really good win, 3-0 over Eastley. And all of a sudden, the lead's down to five points. And how do you get in the collie wobbles? Yeah, I mean, last time we talked about it, there were seven points clear and had a game in hand. That game in hand's now gone. And I think probably for the first time, in a good couple of months, really, we're having to go, whoa, hang on a minute. Is this done? Um, and as it tightens up a little bit, the gap down to just five points, that might lead to a bit of nerves at Barrow. I mean, it, you could argue it's already happening. I'm looking at the form table here. Um, and there's a third team we need to talk about as well, Boreham Wood, who are top of that form table and unbeaten since October. They and Harrogate are bang top of the form table. Barrow are in the middle there somewhere. In their last six games, they've won two, drawn three and lost one. So, look, they've only lost one. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But there are still a lot of games to go and a lot of points to play for. Um, and, and it's interesting. And listen, I think Barrow probably got what it takes to go on and get it done. I think we all have pretty much shared that. But if you're not um, partisan to Barrow and your agenda's not for them to win the league, it actually makes things a whole lot more interesting, Luke, doesn't it? And, you know, if the gap closes further over the next couple of weeks, we definitely could have a two-horse race and, and, and maybe even a three. I'll have a better idea of whether it's a three-horse race or not after Tuesday when uh, Luke Garrard's Boreham would come to uh, Aldershot Town. But a really, really good win for them again yesterday beating Yeovil one of the other promotion favorites Kabongo Shimanga on the on the score sheet again 16 goals um he would have come in thinking he's got closer to the top scorer in the league Scott Quigley only to find out that Quigley got both of Barrows yesterday and he's now three clear at the top with 20 goals yep so as we said Harrogate keeping up the pressure at the top uh, 3-0 win over Eastleigh. The three Jays scoring, Jack Muldoon, Jack Diamond and Josh Falconham. Very good day there for Harrogate, keeping up the pressure and, as we say, uh, an exciting title race in store. Just behind them, Torquay beat Halifax, so a blow there to Halifax's playoff ambitions. They were going really well over the last few weeks, but that's just stopped them in the tracks a little bit. Yeah, it has, and a vital win for Torquay, really. They've been treading water for a while, haven't they? And uh, Aziz with the goal for them. They're banging in the middle of the table um, and banging in the middle of the form table. Two two wins, two draws and two defeats for Torquay. They'll feel a lot more comfortable about their situation uh, after the three points yesterday. Um, and uh, as we say, so Halifax fourth, Yeovil fifth, both losing yesterday. A surprise name, though, perhaps... Jumping into the 
top six and into the playoffs yesterday, Luke, was uh, was Dover. And Dover really went to town over uh, AFC Fylde, who are in big, big trouble now. We'll focus on the bottom in a minute, but full credit to Dover, uh, where it's due. A hat-trick for Innie Effiong. We talked about him just a few weeks ago. We said his goals came in runs, and sometimes he's unplayable. Other times, you don't even notice him. Uh, but credit where it's due, a hat-trick for Innie Effiong yesterday, and a brilliant, brilliant win for for Hess and Tyler and Dover seem to have um, uh, picked up their home form loop. Yeah, and it's repercussions at both ends of the table that I say a, a battering there for Fylde and could Fylde go through their third manager? Could they be appointing a third manager of the season soon? Do you think it is? It's getting desperate times now. Well, I don't know to be honest. Um, you know, we can only look on from afar. Um, and uh, one thing on the factual side of things, Fylde's situation hasn't improved since Challoner left and uh, Bentley came in. It's actually got worse. They're lower down the table. They're further adrift from safety. Uh, and that uh, result yesterday at Dover really leaves them in a difficult place. Um, it's hard to look at the bottom of the National League Premier table without knowing what the impact of three or four down is going to have. You could almost argue if three only are going down, then it's almost done. But if four do go down, then everybody from Chesterfield, Maidenhead, Dagenham, Eastley, Wrexham, Aldershot and Sutton are all probably still in the scrap to avoid that fourth bottom place. Yeah, and it's right in what you say, Rob, because it's so tight at the bottom because... Chesterfield beat Ebsleet by four goals to nil. Now, there was a big fight overnight there, and it was ironic that it was Tyson who floored Ebsleet, ended up on the canvas. It was nil-nil with just over an hour gone, and then his hat-trick helped succumb Ebsleet to a defeat. He'd, he'd been on a good run, as we mentioned last week, with four and beaten going into this game. But uh, another big win for Chesterfield, and that puts them one point behind the chasing pack, and there's other teams looking over the shoulders now. Yeah, I mean, it's huge for Chesterfield. It really is. They've done a lot of good work in the last few weeks. All credit to John Pemberton. and Also for having the foresight to put Tyson in. He's 37 now. And to get a hat-trick at 37 is a wonderful feeling. Believe me, because I, I remember doing it. And uh, um, albeit at a much lower level. Um, but he really, really, really... Um, I think, you know, the, the first goal didn't come until the hour mark. I had to be patient yesterday. But uh, it was actually a hat-trick in 23 minutes. for, And a good day, a good day in the world to be called Tyson, eh? Yeah, and you're off reminiscing again. Oh, the good old days when you used to score hat-tricks, eh? <laughs> hey, it's not that long ago when I was 37, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, steady on. <laughs> we have to mention Chorley as well. Um, yeah. I must admit, I do a little prediction thing, and I predicted Chorley nil Barnett won yesterday. I could see... Barnett going there, keeping a clean sheet, taking the chance somewhere in the 90. And they took it very early on in the second minute. Paul McCallum poking home um, after a half-cleared shot, I think. Right place at the right time. Another goal for him. He'll feel a bit better about that, having scored in the game midweek that was ultimately abandoned against Harrogate. Quite frankly, whether three or four go down, I think Chorley are done now. Just looking at the points differential, it's just way too big. But uh, filed in deep, 
deep doo-doo. Do you think on Barnet, though, that might stop him, Rob, is although the full-time and will be very fit, is all these home games that they're not getting through. Do you say they, they thought they'd, they cracked it against Harrogate, they got halfway through, took the lead, got pegged back, and then it got abandoned at half-time, and that'll be a frustration for him, and they're going to be almost playing three or four times a week. You know? Yeah, it will do, but it's something they're used to because they did it last season. They did it under their current manager as well. So they know what they're in for. And, uh, you know, they are only two points off the final playoff position. And they've got three games in hand, four games in hand on, on some teams. So they're not, they're not really adrift in that uh, fight for the playoffs, Barnet. We need to keep them in mind when we look at the table. We shouldn't be so narrow-minded just to look at the top eight or nine. Um, obviously, what will have helped their cause yesterday is three of those four sides that currently sit in the playoff positions losing their games and uh, perhaps the biggest surprise was Notts County who ironically are performing really really well under Dave Challoner um, and a couple of home wins three home wins I think back to back for them now uh, a really good win 2-0 against Notts County but boys have you seen the goals incredible they say lightning doesn't strike twice well the wind does two free kicks from the left both floated in by Nicky Featherstone and both catching defence and goalkeeper out. And uh, quite bizarre to see two so similar goals in the same game. What storm are we blaming this week? There was no official storm name, was there? We were just going to blame storm. that woman called Gail instead. No, st- storm, <laughs> storm Featherstone, I think. <laughs> yeah. Storm North Sea, I think. That, to be fair, the one place you don't want to be playing when it's winter Indies somewhere near the North Sea, and that's exactly where Hartlepool is. Yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago myself, but uh, Hartlepool will be very, very pleased uh, with their three consecutive home wins and just one defeat in the last six, and they're going along nicely. Um, and they are just one point off the playoffs. It's really closing up that battle, the amount of teams that probably feel they can still sneak in to the top seven and those end of season playoffs. Um, go right down to Woking, really. Then there's the gap of four points to Torquay. So Woking, Barnet, Hartlepool, Stockport, Bromley, Solihull Moors, all outside the top seven at the minute, all with uh, big ambitions to get in it. A couple of those sides shared the points, didn't they? Stockport and Woking um, at um, Kingfield yesterday. Um, I think it would have been a frustrating result for both managers. I did hear Alan Dowson's interview afterwards. And he felt that after Woken had got themselves back into it through Alex Wall uh, replying to Danny Lloyd's opener, um, that Woken would go on and win it with the wind in the second half. But the wind dropped, so did their performance levels, and they had to be content with the point. Stockport have said they've got that vital win last week, since the first win since Mark Stott's come in, but it's just been a bit stop-start for them as they go through a transition period. As you say, Hartlepool, can they be the, the dark horses? I know he spoke a couple of weeks ago to Dave Challoner and he sort of said, never say never, and he kind of, he did say it'd be nice, but kind of battered it back a little bit. But he must have one eye now, thinking, do you know what? We could be the farm team going into those players. Yeah, he's no mug, is he? I mean, there was, uh, there was what, 12 games left at the time. And he said there might not be enough games now. There's enough games, Dave. You know that. 12 games equals 36 points. And he won't have any uh, belief other than the fact that in every one of those games, they've got a chance of winning Hartlepool just one point off the playoffs. And uh, they might have to do it the hard way, for sure. You know, if they make the playoffs, they might have to do it playing uh, a couple of games before they get to Wembley and possibly one of those at least away from home. Um, But right now, 
Um, if you look at the league table, um, it's a triumph for the playoffs, really, keeping the seasons alive for a lot of those uh, teams. One team who will be grateful it's so tight points-wise, but really scratching their heads is Bromley, who are rock bottom of the form table and uh, managed to lose at home again on Saturday without scoring um, five defeats and one draw in their last six games. Well, Neil Smith must be scratching his head and wondering what on earth is going on there. Good, good win for Wrexham on their travels. A couple of unusual goal scorers there. Keller Dunn and Ponticelli scoring the goals in the first 10 and the last 10 minutes. Uh, great, great win for Wrexham. Keeps them uh, bobbing away um, a few points ahead of uh, the relegation zone. It's a vital result at both ends of the table, that with Wrexham winning. And um, as we mentioned, Chesterfield are closing up on that pack below them. And I said they were looking over the shoulders. Well, the more breathing down the necks, especially Maidenhead, they can probably feel Chesterfield's breath right on the neck now, as we speak, because all the shot went there and got a good result, didn't they? Yeah, Luke, I've got to say it. Not just a good result, a really good performance too as well. You can never tell which Aldershot Town's going to turn up. But one thing I will say under Danny Sell this season, whenever they've lost a game, they've nearly always responded well in the next one. And they were well deserving of the three points at Maidenhead yesterday. Maidenhead, in a game that you thought might suit them in a way, uh, some big, strong players like to be quite direct to get the ball into the box. They didn't really trouble Aldershot. The goal... They did score in the second half to uh, uh, peg Aldershot back. Uh, came kind of out of nothing. Um, they didn't really sustain any momentum, any pressure. It was all too comfortable for Aldershot. Um, and a really thoroughly well-deserved three points for Danny Searle's side, which um, you know gives them a little bit more of a cushion. Um, as I say, tough one coming up in the week against Wood, But Maidenhead, they dropped from 17th to 20th yesterday. And they'll be highly concerned if four go down because they're just one point clear of Chesterfield. Another team who were down there, who slipped over recent weeks and have been in terrible form, uh, are Dagenham. And they got a really good win against Solihull Moors. Can we call them rudderless Solihull Moors at the minute? I know they've just departed Jimmy Sham, but the kind of the season's just petering out for them, isn't it, at the minute? It is, but as I said, they're one place and only on goal difference outside the uh, playoffs. So. Uh, the biggest problem there for Jimmy Shan is, um, is that the right fit? I think somebody who uh, is more of a football purist, who wants to play the game a certain way and not necessarily the way that Solihull have been set up as a playing squad to play. So interesting there. How quickly can he get his own views and his own ideas on how they play across to the current squad? And, and can they uh, make that work? Um, but just looking at it from the other point of view, what a boost that will be for Darren McMahon and for Dagenham and Redbridge. They've got Angelo Balanta back as well, their top scorer. And uh, um, he got on the score sheet yesterday as well as Mitch Brundle. And, and you do think kind of logically that if Balanta's back and playing in the last 12 games of the season, probably weighing in with another seven or eight goals, then Dagenham and Redbridge should be OK. It's also... Four games in midweek, isn't it, in the National League? Vital at both ends of the table. Filed, host Notts County. Aldershot, as you say, host Boreham Wood. Barnet against Dagenham. Will that go ahead? Will they Barnet finally have a home game? And then Maidenhead against Ebsfleet. That's a six-pointer, if I've ever seen one. Oh, absolutely. Maidenhead against Ebsfleet, because Maidenhead will be desperate to respond, um, get a place or two back up the league table. Uh, and Ebsfleet, they won't have given up at all but they will need to respond very, very quickly from that heavy 
defeat up at Chesterfield. We're going to look now at the National League North. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. And in the National League North, there was a vital midweek fixture. We're going to head back to the Tuesday night where Chester took on Kings Lynn and that had permutations at the top of the table. And it was a, a massive win for Chester, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was a case of, of what Kings Lynn have been doing to, to teams this season. Chester actually gave them some of their own back. Uh, real topsy-turvy game, uh, the 1885 Stadium, Kings Lynn twice in the lead, but Chester levelling twice and then as something that Kings Lynn have been doing as I say throughout the season scoring late goals to, to pinch all three points that's exactly what Chester did to them Simon Grand a 94th minute winner and yeah Chester cock a hoop after that one and a, a second loss on the bounce for Kings Lynn yeah and the game at Altingham on Saturday was called off so they're going to have to travel up to the northwest again on the Tuesday night and that meant York took advantage it was a battle of the two full-time teams, Russ Penn said he wanted to improve their home form when we spoke to him last week. Well, York pinched all three points. Yes, they did. Yeah, solitary goal from uh, Dan Maguire, enough for York in that situation. But, you know, I'm sure they'll take that. I think a, a lot of games yesterday were affected by really windy conditions. So, uh, yeah, to go away from home and pinch a 1-0 win. Let's be honest, the pressure's on now. Every Every game counts for something when there's only about a dozen games of the season left to go. Um, and I, I'm sure Steve Watson will be thrilled to... It's a little bit of a psychological edge j- just to be back on top again and just puts the pressure back onto Kings Lynn to say, well, you know, yes, you've got three games in hand, but you've got to go and win some of them. And, it, you know, it's that age-old dilemma of is it better to have the points in the bag or is it better to have the games in hand? We, we'll only know when both teams have played 42 games as to, as to which one turns out to be best. But, um, yeah, perhaps for the first time... This season, really, a little bit of pressure on Kings Lynn. You know, nobody's expected them to be where they are. But now, having ascended to the summit, it's 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 staying there. Yeah, York back top, although Kings Lynn do have a couple of games in hand. But as we always say, better for them to have the points on the board, I suppose. Yes, I think I think quite possibly so. I say I don't think um, it, it, Kings Lynn, you know, they've got. I think that's something like 14 games still to play. And, you know, they've got to go away to Altrincham, which that was a fixture yesterday, I think, um, coming off the back of a, of a 3-2 loss on Tuesday night. I thought that was a, a, a pretty dangerous fixture for Kings Lynn to be going into, having lost two on the bounce. And Altrincham are in tremendous form, um, and that could have possibly induced a real wobble. But they've, um, they've now got to go there on a Tuesday night. They've got to go away to Gloucester. That was a game that was called off, who admittedly are close to the bottom of the table. But all of that travelling... Um, and, and knowing that there's a little bit of pressure on them to um, actually turn those games into hand into points, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, in third place, uh, Boston, to you, Dickie, because you're quite mild-mannered, but on your watch that last night, you were furious at the result. <laughs> not, well, not at the result as such, but what happened in the game. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty uh, even-tempered about a lot of these things, but uh, yeah, the... the the, the goal that won it for Boston yesterday um, was a, a pretty contentious penalty award. It, it didn't look like a penalty kick from where I was sat, good 60 or so yards away. Um, and certainly Craig Elliott, the Boston manager, when I spoke to him after the game, didn't feel that it was uh, a penalty either, but was quite happy to accept the points 
based on the situation they're in. So um, we'll hear from him. It's post-game at the Drakeman Stadium, a 1-0 win for Boston United over FC Telford United this afternoon. I've uh, a satisfied Boston manager, Craig Elliott, with me. And Craig, we were just saying there, it's uh, sometimes a case of... Uh, points over performance at this stage of the season yeah absolutely I think in the last game against York we played really well we had the performance as well as the result but today I thought we were all bang average I think the win had a lot to do with that for both teams and uh, the winning goal obviously as well were um, a bit fortunate because I don't think it were a penalty but y- you take it at this stage and you'd like to think it evens itself out over the season I think that's something like is that your sixth win in a row something like that yeah yeah six wins on the trot so obviously the lads are in uh, good form got a lot of good confidence and uh, doing well cooked a lot of clean sheets as well this year so um, I felt today we're going to be an hard game because on paper Telford have got a really strong squad um, and it proved that and you've uh, you've strengthened a bit as well recently as well so um, clearly you're still eyeing those couple of positions above you yeah we always try and just sort of catch the team that's above us and whether that's if somebody's sixth or third or second and we just keep trying to do that and at the minute we can do that I think we've got up a place today so now we've got to try and sort of catch Kings Lynn who are above us and uh, another tough home game on Tuesday which will be a really hard game against Gateshead because I, I like Gateshead a lot so but it never gets any easier in this league No I think it's something like back two and a half years you've been here now I mm. think isn't it so I think the first season you came in it was a case of probably just stabilising things yeah. and then um, last season started really well but then tailed off a bit yeah. but this season you've been able to maintain it what, what's made the difference do you think? Um, I think we got the recruitment right in the summer I think it's key to everything um, we, we changed his training base at Doncaster Rovers so I could recruit players that I wanted and, and bring them in and we've, we've got a good dressing room this year I've enjoyed it um, you've got to have that balance between sort of doing the stuff on the pitch but also enjoying it off it and, we, and we've got that this year um, and it's just snowballs from the FA Cup and the league and we're just having a good season obviously there's still a lot of work to do but um, yeah I think recruitment's key to everything at any club Sure I mean just a case of sort of like having patience with you and seeing that you're building something and, and letting it happen Yeah exactly I mean obviously when I come in I think we were second bottom and like 8 or 9 points of safety so the first year were a difficult year just to get us up there um, but then last year we're about looking at the league getting a feel for everything got a great chairman a great club um, love it here and uh, like I said everybody's pulling in the right direction it's an exciting time as well with the new stadium so yeah it's, a, it's just a, a great place to be at the minute so There's a lot of positivity around at the moment with the move I mean that's all on schedule as far as I know so yeah everything sort of I went the other day to have a look and it looks fantastic obviously we're all going to be um, it, it's difficult to leave this place York Street because it's such an iconic stadium I love it here um, but I just love the fans and everybody involved with it and uh, yeah just really enjoying it at the moment so that was Craig Elliott and he's doing a fine job there and the big thing is, is, is with their with their move now in the FA Cup run that they've had, they, they have got a bit of money to play with, and it and it is secure there for when they move to the new stadium. And the, and the um, we'll hear more about that shortly. But they've got money to play with now with that squad, and that's why the squad on paper is very very good. Yes, it is. I think it's um, obviously the, the FA Cup run. You don't get that money until next season, but obviously they know they've got that in in the bank and coming in terms of prize money and um, TV money. And then in terms of league form, you know they, they are pulling in bigger crowds. I think obviously because of, of of how well they're going, and it has enabled them to strengthen a little bit. And and the move uh, is is going to make them more sustainable off the field. I think them. I'm not sure what exactly what the plan is is for the York Street site, but I, I guess that's going to be housing. Um, and yeah, we, we did have a very brief look in the darkness at their their new stadium last night on the way back out of town. Somebody who's been at the club well since he was a, a little kid really was the he's a press officer at, uh, at Boston, but he does other jobs as well. Uh, Craig Singleton and, and Dicky caught up with him 
as well afterwards. We're in uh, what I described as the uh, inner sanctum of uh, Boston United Football Club here, actually, in the uh, the office of Craig Singleton, who is the secretary of the club. You've got various other roles, is that right, Craig? <coughs> yep, I'm secretary. Look after all the commercial side as well, and, and do the media as well. So it's a it's a big it's a big role, a lot going on, but. Uh, pretty enjoyable most of the time yeah and you're, you're pretty integral to what goes on at boston united is the impression i guess yeah i, I suppose i am really when you sit, sit back and think about it but uh, good place to be involved at the minute obviously in good form and uh, slightly fortunate win against uh, telford today but uh, you take them all day long so how long have you actually been involved with the club now I gather it's a number of years yeah i started in um, 2004 and literally just left school came in as um full-time media person really when we were in the football league so obviously a lot on going on on that side sorting out the website and program and everything and then 2007 when the club were relegated and demoted the current owners came in and said we'd like you to take on a bit more responsibility on other aspects so i took on all the commercial side selling boards and match sponsorships and uh, organizing events and such like and then almost four years ago 2016 i became club secretary as well so my role sort of uh from from one main area to two to, to three now so certainly keeps me occupied so technically not the only role you've had but certainly it sounds like the only place you've ever worked then it is yeah yeah i've uh, i suppose i've been fortunate in some respects that i've always uh, had had good times here um and never really been tempted to, to go anywhere else has, has anybody ever tempted you to go anywhere yeah i've else? Had, I had two or three offers um one relatively recently but i've got a young family and i'm, I'm pretty settled so um i've got uh got a good job where I am. Yeah, and you, you said your heart's here, and obviously it's <coughs> exciting times at the moment. So you, I think you just said to me just before I, I, I turned the tape on that this is probably, you know, the most some of the most exciting times you, since you've been at the club. It is, yeah. Obviously the team's in, in good form and going for promotion. We've obviously had a fantastic FA Cup run this year, which we've not had in all the time I've been involved, both working and as a fan before that. And um, obviously you, you've, you've seen what's going on with the ground. This is potentially your last visit here with Telford and... Um, we, um, we're moving to an out-of-town stadium, which is well on the way now, which we're really looking forward to. Obviously, it will be sad in many respects to leave here. I think there's only seven league games left now, and uh, that is a bit of a, a bolt out of the blue when you actually sit and analyse it. But, um, yeah, the facilities where we're going to be going are, are fantastic and much more fan-friendly and giving us a better chance to enjoy a sustainable future. Obviously, I think the last... Um, I, I spoke to your manager Craig Elliott, and, and we spoke about the, you know, some of the stability that you've had with with him in charge, and and that sort of like enabled you to to build and, and get to where you are now. It has really, yeah. He he came in two and a two and a half two and a bit years ago. Um, we were in the bottom three of the league then, so it looked like we were going to get relegated. But he he turned it round. Um, last season, I think he really expected to kick on, but didn't really materialise. Was just sort of stuck in, in mid table all season. It didn't really take off from day one but this year's been been different really he's got the players together that he wanted early on and um yeah cup run league form have both been good particularly the league form since christmas and um firmly in the mix as we go towards the last um two months of the season so what have you got planned in terms of as well as you know, moving to the new stadium saying goodbye to, to york street as well what have you got planned as well a club? we need to just sort of finalize things but hopefully on that last day against hereford we're going to have quite a few former players here we are inviting players sort of back on a on a weekly basis getting a couple of former players back to each game um but i imagine we'll have quite a few here for that last game we've just got to sort of finalize other activities for the day because 
last day of the season is always busy, regardless of what season it is. But when it's also your last game at um, at the ground, it's going to be uh, extra special. Although it might be complicated slightly by the fact that it looks like we're going to be in the playoffs, so there will be probably at least one more game. It, we're we're going to have to title it as the last ever league game, I think. To, yeah, I was going to, to say, cover yeah, would it be helpful to have some certainty that sort of make that the last game by winning the title? Well, yeah, we'd take that. I think that's still still an outside shot with. Kingsland and York ahead of us um, still theirs to lose but while the chance is there you will uh, always go for it and, and obviously with Kingsland not being that far away you've had the, that rivalry with them this season as well yeah we played them uh, twice over Christmas and New Year um, did well on Boxing Day with only 10 men for 80 minutes and lost 1-0 and then thought we'd give them a real game back here on New Year's Day and they turned us over 3-0 so they were the, the, the only team re- the only team that have won here so far this season but uh, they were a good side they've, they've stuttered a little bit lately but I think that's more been down to the fact they're not playing too many games they've only, they've only lost two games back to back so uh, it's not as if they've lost five or six and uh, yeah they're still in the driving seat sure, and you've not look, looked back since that point have you really I don't think no seven seven wins out of eight um, Curzon Ashton nil nil at home which seemed like two drop points at the time but um, if you were to say you were going to win the next six then you would um, you'd have snapped your hand off at the time it's uh, been some good wins in there obviously York last time was a very impressive win because they went a goal up and Boston turned it around pretty convincingly really but then you get the flip side today where you you get a soft penalty and um, have to withstand a lot of pressure against the wind but uh, they all count Absolutely, and, and in terms of just that new stadium again, you said there's um, there's there's an absolute certainty to that because the, the, the lease on this place is only until June, so you move into the new stadium over the summer. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, it will only be two sided for that first year, I believe, due to sort of timescales and getting everything ready, getting those stands up to league standards, and and getting the pitch ready, um, and then hopefully by the time season number two comes around, it will be finished, including a, a big sports hall on on one end. So the whole complex is going to give. Um, the club a chance of a sustainable future it's going to have money making facilities not just on the corporate side but on the sports side as well and hopefully that whole jigsaw will come together and uh, enable the club to flourish moving forward we could be speaking to you in a new office next year then. yeah I'd like to think so yeah this place will be uh, could be empty in the next three or four months which is fa- fairly scary when you think about it but uh, if all goes to plan touching wood then uh, yeah June July time we'll be we'll be on the move and that was Craig Singleton and, and Dickie it's going to be um as I say, it's going to be a bit of a wrench from leaving York Street. It's one of my favourite uh, grounds, and the atmosphere there is brilliant as well. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a proper traditional football ground, set in amongst um, housing, hemmed in, you know, on on all sides. And I suppose that's one of the, the the things that gives it its great character. But that's also one of the things that that, that sort of makes it somewhat restrictive in what other activities you can carry out at the ground to sort of support the activities of the football club. So I, I do suspect that's probably what's what's behind the move away really. But it, it will be sad. It's got a it's got a lot of character. Um from my own point of view, I don't ever seem to see Telford come away from there with very much. So on that perspective <laughs> maybe we might have some more luck in the in the new ground. But no, good luck to everybody at Boston. I know, you know, it's certainly exciting times for them. Yeah, they'll be hoping, I'm sure, that uh, well, you'll be hoping that they get the new ground wobble, hopefully, when Telford play there next year. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I mean, I'm sure Boston would be hoping that they're not going to be playing Telford next year. They, they're probably still there, maybe high in the league above still, I think. But, um, yeah, if we do happen to go there again, um, it, it'll be interesting to see what the new ground's like. Apparently, it's only going to be 
open on two sides for the first season that they're in there in, 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 in that's to enable them to actually move in over the summer yeah they'll be homeless otherwise uh, we mentioned Chester at the start of this round up and they, they had a good win over Kings and they went third however they couldn't back that up with the, the, in the home game against Brackley they, they lost they were on the end of a 3-2 reverse themselves on Saturday which meant that that's why Boston went to third and Chester back down to fourth with Brackley in fifth on Chester's coattails I, I hate to say it, but it, it seems to be a characteristic of, of this Chester team that they, they'd certainly, um, you know, they're one of the better sides in this division, clearly. Um, they, they, they certainly look looking good for a playoff place, but they just seem to have this capacity to sort of shoot themselves in the foot occasionally. Certainly sounds as if they did that yesterday. I don't think their uh, manager, Anthony Johnson, was particularly happy with the defending that led to um, a, a late winner for Matt Lowe from Brackley there. Yeah, it was, uh, but 3-2, yeah, Chester behind to Lee and Love's goal at half-time. James Jones equalising on 60 minutes, but then going 2-1 behind Thierry Aldale in the 71st minute. Another defender on the score sheet, Danny Livesey on 85 minutes, and they perhaps thinking at that point maybe there's a few minutes left, they're going to, you know, go on and, and get all three points late on as they did on Tuesday, but the boot was on the other foot. Some um, a bit of a mix-up, I think, in, uh, involving Russ Griffiths, the goalkeeper, and uh, Matt Lowe nips in to take all three points for Brackley, and that's much needed for them as well because they've been on a a bit of a wobbly run of late, very un-Brackley-like. They looked like they were set for all three points in midweek at home to Southport, but conceded an injury time equaliser, which, as I say, is very un-Brackley-like. So um, I think Kevin Wilkin was was pleased with that performance yesterday, and um, it shows that. Uh, Brackley, a force to be reckoned with still, you know, they're, they're still capable of, of getting that kind of result. Yeah, in the playoff place as well as Spennymore, they stamped their authority, a good 5-0 win over Alfreton. Darlington just outside the playoff places as well. They had a Desmond with Hereford 2-2, as did Geisley and Gateshead. Gateshead having to come from 2-0 down as well in that game. So the playoff side, those teams in and around the playoffs don't really want to cement their place at the minute. There's only really Spennymore who's on a consistent run. That, that was the way it felt to me yesterday. It felt that as though all the moves in the table happened within the top six, really. Um, the teams just on the fringes, none of them um, really made any particularly positive moves towards it, other than, you say, Spennymore, who, um, I don't know about stamping their authority, it just sounded as if they stamped all over Alfreton Town, yeah. uh, 5-0 in that game. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, the, I don't think anybody in mid-table, um, my own team, Telford included, that loss at Boston, were able to sort of close that gap onto that next. There's almost a very definite sort of split between... Uh, you know, the top four or five, we would say, are almost certainties for the playoffs. Then there's about six teams that are playoff sides. And then you very decidedly get down into the mid-table teams who might still be looking up the table. But, but to be honest, if anybody's going to make a run at it now, they're really going to need to start very quickly. Other game, just to wrap up, uh, Farsley, who again just outside the play places themselves, they beat relegation threatened Blythe by two goals to nil. And Leamington, they got back on track. They've had a, a bit of a poor run recently. They beat Southport, who were probably on an even worse run. Uh, that was 1-0 there to the breaks. 
Yeah, it was a late goal for Joe Parker. I think his first goal for Lamington since joining them from Gloucester probably about a month or so ago. Uh, yeah, disappointment for Liam Watson. There are an awful lot of teams that just don't seem to be able to follow up on, on, on good results by, by putting a really good run together. We'll just note one interesting footnote from the Geisley Gateshead game that you mentioned there, the two-all draw. Apparently there was an incident in that game um, where the uh, the racism protocol was invoked by the referee. A, uh, a Geisley player made a complaint to him that he'd had uh, racist comments made to him from somebody in the crowd, and they actually invoked the protocol there to, to make the warning to the crowd to say that if there was any more and it was heard again, then it would go to, to stage two. And I think, I can't remember which stage it gets to, but I don't think it's much beyond that where the players are actually taken off the field. I mm. think that probably affected the the atmosphere as well by the sound of things at that game. It sounded like it all went rather um, eerie and quiet for a little while. But uh, yeah, Gates said 2-0 down, but came back to get a two-all draw with really late goals there from uh, Greg Ollie and Jay Cooper. Yeah, interesting in more ways than one, but um, credit there to the officials for implementing that that racism rule, and it just shows that it's even implemented at our level, unfortunately, even though it shouldn't be, but as in shouldn't be because it shouldn't be happening rather than it shouldn't be done altogether, but uh, you've got to give credit to the officials, I suppose. Yes, you have. It's, it's, It's a sad state. Of, of where we are that that has to happen but it's also a really positive thing that it does happen because it, it you know it, it, nothing is going to get the message across any more strongly than seeing players leaving the field I mean uh, I think there was an incident was it in a Portuguese game in midweek yeah, yeah. Uh, where I can't remember the name of the player but he was um, you know he obviously heard comments from the crowd and he was absolutely convinced he was leaving the field Um his teammates didn't seem to want to let him and it, it it needs everybody to stand together on these things it needs everybody to stand together and and uh yeah it, it's not great that it happens uh, as in the, the, the alleged comments but it is positive that there is something in place which which everybody seems to be coming aware of now you know that, it, that, that this that kind of behavior just isn't acceptable excellent so we're going to look next at the national league south if you're driving on a motorway and you see a red X sign overhead, you need to change lanes safely. Driving in a red X lane is an offence. Red Xs are there for a reason, to protect you and others from danger. The lane may be blocked by a broken down vehicle, or road workers, or the lane may be needed for the emergency services. So if you see a red X, change lanes safely. Highways England, connecting the country. And in the National League South, as you heard, I am in Hungerford, and that's because I popped down to Hungerford Town against Braintree, so you can hear some of the action from that game, and then I caught up with the managers post-match, and Ian Herring kindly joined me to run through the National League South as well. So here at Bull Pit Lane, really nice little ground, a nice area, people really friendly here. Hungerford versus Braintree, Hungerford needs to win basically I think seven points adrift so they need to get something and drag the other teams in it one of those teams is Braintree they haven't won in a month so looking forward to it the two teams are ready to come out and they're in the main stand now got a steak and ale pie as well which is the first time I've had that at a football ground which is good 
We've also got Roger East, Premier League referee. He's here watching today. And also Barry Gardner, the MP, because his son's playing for Braintree. So we're in good company today. Two teams just lining up. Coming out of the little uh, room to the left. Hungerford have taken the lead. Long throw in. Uh, Brench have had a good good start to the game, but a long throw in and was flicked on. And Joe Tomlinson, the captain, fired into the back post. George Borg wasn't happy. Probably just heard him then uh, having a go at his defence. But yeah, vital goal for Hungerford. They take the lead 1-0. Hungerford really doing all right at the minute because they're uh, defending against the wind. It's blowing about all over the place. Uh, so Brains have had the majority to play, but it is Hungerford who lead. There's a shout for a penalty for Hungerford there. The ball at the post. Ian Herring's not happy. Brains have had a lot of play, but they'll be frustrated. They've only really tested Patrick Holman a couple of times and they're fairly easy saves. Right in half time, that's the last action. It's Chidozi. Over the wall. Oh, it's off the bar. And over. And that is half time. Right at the end there. At the end of the first half. And, and Hungerford lead. So as I said, it's Hungerford 1, Braintree 0. And uh, somebody listens to the podcast regular and does the non paper reports for our non paper. Well, thanks to the Tannoy man there. <laughs> it's uh, Kieran Morrison. Hello, Kieran. Hello, thank you for having me, Luke. Yeah, good. A lucky charm at the minute. Yeah, at the minute, yeah, but I don't see many wins here at the ball pit. Uh, this would be only our fourth, I believe, of the season, but we're 1-0 up. That's what matters. We need three points today. Yeah, you defended, apart from the shot against the bar at the end, you defended well because you've had the wind against your first half, haven't you? Yeah, we have, yeah. And now we're actually going to go downhill as well, second half, so it should make things a bit easier. But there was a bit of pressure at the end there from Braintree, so I think the interval's come at a good time. Yeah, it's... Um, been a tough season for Annie, and the thing I've noticed though is like, even though you're bottom, there's a lot of support of Ian Herring from the fans. Nobody's really getting on his back, um, regardless of the situation. Yeah, that's true. Well, he's got a very small budget to um, deal with, so we, we, we are realistic that you know, small budget, we're going to be down here. So, so we stick behind the team. You've got to be positive. You know, if you're negative, then things are only going to get worse. We've got to get right behind Ian and the boys. Yeah, I mean, seven points adrift. You're winning Tunbridge, you're winning St Albans, they're losing all, they're not winning anyway at half time. So the games are running out, but do you, do you all still believe you can stay up? Yeah, I believe we can stay up. Obviously, win today, we've got uh, two uh, home games on the bounce after this against Hevel and Concord, and they're both mid table, not doing brilliantly. So Concord concentrating on the trophy, of yeah. course. Yeah, I think we played them just a few days before that. So if you get nine points out of those three games, then you're right back in the mix. So that's the, the target. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great little club, isn't it? And uh, is it, would you really say it's punching above its weight? Yeah, definitely punching above its weight. The finances we got, and obviously this stadium compared to many others in the league, and, you know, it's tiny, really. We've got a small fan base. So, yeah, we, we should definitely be in the lower leagues, but this is where, where we want to be now we've got here, so obviously we, we want to stay here. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great little setup here, I must admit. It's uh, been made really welcome, and it's fantastic. But, yeah, I mean... Be a bigger achievement than last season, I think, if you stayed up yeah. now, wouldn't it this year? Yeah, it'd be a much bigger achievement, not just because where we are in the league, but also the finances. You know, all the other teams are much bigger, and that's the last season was brilliant. Uh, I think this season will be even even better. Well, well, let's see how the second half goes. Yeah.
2-0 to Hungerford. Matt Jones got a second goal. Really good run by Zidane Akers down the right-hand side. Chance. Braintree have took the throne Stevie Sheehan, the captain up front, and he's just had a left footed effort off the post. It's the closest Braintree have come in the game so far. That is full time, and uh, Hungerford have won by two goals to nil. Goals from Joe Thomas in the fifth minute of the game throw in flicked on and he scored and then Matt Jones five minutes into the second half and a vital win for Ian Herring's men we'll hear from him after also and he'll do a roundup of the National League South with us and also we'll try and get a word from George Borg as well Braintree manager so I'm with the visiting manager Braintree manager George Borg and George um, disappointing result today it is disappointing for us because we've been playing extremely well and uh, played against all the top teams and put in really good performances um, today we weren't at the races I don't know why but um, you know it, it wasn't a great game obviously it was about winning the game and Angersford did that so we go home really disappointed and we know we've got a battle on our hands Was it the pitch and the conditions was that a factor at all do you think or No I just think uh, you know we we're a very young side you know I've got a lot of players from on loan they're all 19 and sometimes the experience that they don't have gets to them a little bit and I think it got to them today the, the occasion got to them we knew it was a big tough game and we're just disappointed that we didn't put in the performances that we have done over the last recent weeks Yeah the early goal was key wasn't it and they got it and it kind of gave hunger for the lift then It certainly did I mean you know that they didn't get out there after the first three or four minutes we had yeah. like four corners on the spin you know they come to nothing but um, yeah, overall, we, we didn't play that badly, you know, we, we, we more than give them a game, but, you know, it was two poor goals that we conceded, really, and um, too many players had an off day. And back at the club after a while away, I mean, how, how have you found your, your second coming at Braintree? It's been tough, I'm here to, to help the club, I mean, um, you know, we're having a difficult time at the moment, you know, the chairman's... Um, been a bit under the weather with a lot of pressure and you know finances are not not the best but um I'm, I'm enjoying it and it's not nice being in the bottom two now but you know there's 10 games to go we'll keep fighting and, and see where it takes us well, actually yeah you're, you are a fighter and i suppose that's just getting the team to get your passion out there a little bit isn't it it is but with young players sometimes they don't have that so that's the uh, hardest part you know and when you've got a lot of lone players it's not the love for the club mm. you know they're getting experienced by playing at this level so obviously some Sometimes there's a little bit of a hold back on that as well. You know, they're not, they've given me everything yeah. they've got, but like I say, they, they lack a lot of experience, and that's why when we come to games like this, you know, when you've got non league players who I've been around all my career, you know, I know when uh, the meat and veg are on the, on the plate, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, I've still got young, young pups really, and um, they're doing okay and holding their own, so, you know, we'll just see what the next 10 games brings us. Any, any scope for you to bring in experienced players, like you say, to, to maybe battle it out? Um, you can't keep changing it at this yeah. stage of the season. I've tried to keep a settled side, but you just can't get those players. You know, the players that you, you, you get now is, is players that are not getting in first teams at non-league level, yeah. and they just want to finish the season off, and they don't want to have a battle. So I'm happy with what I've got, and my lads will only get better next week. And we're that type of team. We'll probably go and beat Bath, and that's the way we are, you know. But 
today was a crucial game to a degree. It's not the end of the world. We're not relegated yet. So, you know, there's a fight on our hands. So you heard there from George Borg, who was, who was disappointed. But one man who wasn't disappointed today is the Hungerford manager, Ian Herring. And first of all, Ian, thanks for your hospitality. It's been a, a great day down here and a great result for yourself as well. No problem. More than welcome, Luke. Um, yeah, fantastic result, obviously. 2-0 um, at home, clean sheet. Um, I think we could have had a penalty as well, a bit of a stonewall penalty. So, um, so yeah, it's a it's, um, very pleasing day. I must admit, I'll ask and venger it. I didn't see it because I was looking down at me for... <laughs> I just heard you complaining, that was it. But uh, yeah, I've heard you, you don't complain at rest, but you you did there. Something I'm trying to work on, um, obviously as a player, um, I used to get on referees' cases a lot. So yeah, it's something that I, I'm really trying to work on, but sometimes it, it, it becomes dis- difficult and certain strategies I'm trying to learn, go back, sit on the bench, try and break that state and, and, and sort of go again. But yeah, I did complain a little bit then because um, I thought it was a stonewall penalty, but we can't do nothing about that. It was a um, difficult day. I mean, asked George Borg did the conditions affect his team and he make any excuses. Obviously, the, it was windy, the pitch was hard, but... Your team did the basics right in the end, didn't they? And your defenders won loads of headers. Yeah, I was really pleased with all of them. Um, clean sheet is, is excellent. Um, I think any manager would tell you that they'd be pleased with a one 0 win rather than sort of a five-four type thing. So, um, so yeah, really pleased with the with the clean sheet. Um, we did try to play out from the back, etc. So we made we made a couple of mistakes every so often, which is going to happen. But that clean sheet and and sort of second half when they were going quite direct we were very resilient and sort of limited them to any clear-cut opportunities really so yeah and then you've got back in the dressing room and seen the teams around you have won as well I think there's only obviously Braintree dropped into the bottom two with that defeat today um, Chippenham are the only other side in, in and around the bottom six or seven who who lost they lost 1-0 at Welling they're a bit of a funny side Chippenham aren't they yeah, I mean, um, I used to play for Chippenham for sort of three and a half years, so I know the place well. Um, they've they've recently let Mark Collier go, which which um, really surprised me actually because he's an exception, exceptional manager, done an exceptional job for that club. But uh, Mike Cook's gone in there now, who I know as well, and he's another exceptional manager who, who does things a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a tough place to go. There's a lot of them. It's very much like this um, here at Hungerford. Pe- people don't tend to like going to Chippenham um, for whatever reason. But um, yeah, they're, they're one of the teams that we're looking up at along along with a few others. So, um, But yeah, the, the, whether the results go for us or not, there, there's still 11 games to go. There's going to be a lot more funny sort of results and bumps in the road um, for other teams as well as us. So we can only concentrate on us, which we've done today and, and Try and, and try and climb the table. Yeah, seven points is the gap at the minute between yourselves and Chipping, and we're in twentieth. The big advantage is there's only two going down from this league this year, isn't there? Yeah, obviously that, that I suppose is an advantage, but um, we could we can't really. It, it's hard. As we do a lot of work on um, a lot of psych, psychological sort of work, and we try to sort of say to the lads, "Don't look at the table, etc., and stuff like that. Concentrate on us." But hey, we're all human. It's, yeah. it's natural to look at the other results. It's natural to look at the table afterwards. Um, but I think I think from the work we've implemented in the in the week and stuff, and how that w- worked today, I think. 
think I think people are sort of understanding and hopefully the pen is dropped not too late if that makes sense mm. and um, I wouldn't be playing a certain way if I didn't believe our players could do it so um, they, they've they've proved last week in horrendous conditions that they can play football they've done it again this week and yeah we, we've got to take one step at a time one game at a time and then um, hopefully in, in 11 games time we'll be okay yeah, and that point last week you said it was at, was at Tombridge and they went to Oxford City today and got a really good 3-0 win there, which was a bit of a shock really, I think, to people. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know Steve McKim through Kev Watson and um, he's doing an excellent job there. It, it was difficult last week. The pitch was probably unplayable, and especially towards the end. We're at the stage of the season where, where we kind of need to win and I think they wanted to just keep that gap the same, if, if not more. Um, so it, it was a bit of a cagey affair at certain times. We controlled the possession. Um, but then left ourselves open a little bit towards the end. So a point was probably a fair result, and normally you'd say you're happy with a point on the road, etc. And we, we've taken four points off Tunbridge this year and six points off Braintree. So we need to start taking more points off more teams. And like I said earlier, essentially not worrying about other teams. But yeah, Tunbridge, um, I can see that they've got a lot of games in hand as well, and, and I think that I think they'll surprise a few people even more this year. Yes, yeah, so Albans, they were a team you were looking at. They went 1-0 down at Haven't and Waterlooville today. They were trailing at half-time, but they came back to win that. Haven't had a man sent off. So that affects both ends of the tables, but they've sprung up to 16th now, so almost with that win. Yeah, they have. They've um, they've recruited. Um, we know what we're up against in this league. Certain teams like St Albans have got the ability to throw some money at it, shall we say. Certain certain teams can, if they're in a bit of trouble or if they're going to win the league or they're going for the playoffs, they, they can throw a bit of money at certain certain players and stuff like that and recruit. Um, we're not in a position where we can do that. Um, like I say, they have. And, and, and Ian Allison, let's, let's, let's be honest, he's an exceptional manager at this level of football and he, he knows the game inside out and, and to be honest to see them where they are is a bit of a surprise and, and I'm sure they'll get more results um, between now and the end of the season um, like they have today Yeah I've seen a few of his interviews recently he's been tearing his hair out the last couple up until the last couple of weeks but uh, I'm sure he'll be sleeping a lot easier this weekend although they, only, they are only two points claiming you look at that down to Braintree there's only three points between Concord and, and, and Braintree. So Concord are in 14th. It's that tight, isn't it? A couple of wins and you're, you're up there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I said, I, said um, I think it was two weeks ago to our players when I think the gap was eight points at the time. Um, if you've lost belief now or anyone's getting disheartened, then please sort of walk away from the club now because... Uh, how far sort of clear Wealdstone looked to be if that's the case and we'll, we may as well all pack up Wealdstone have won the league we're down and one other are down it's, that's not the case there's 11 games left it's 33 points to play for and it's um, it's, it's, it's massive it's a massive number of points to play for there'll be a lot of um, bumps in the road for a lot of teams and yeah we can like I say we can only take it one game at a time we've got another two home games on the trot now in the league so um, yeah hopefully we can turn this place into a bit of a, bit of a fortress also down there, Bill Ricky, that's more just due to the lack of games that they're not able to play at home at the minute. They got a good nil nil draw at Weymouth and you can't see them being in trouble for much longer, can you? Uh, you you'd have thought not. 
obviously change of manager um, Jamie O'Hara he, he, he seems to be doing a very good job I don't know whether they're still full time or not um, they've recruited a lot of players they're recruiting a lot of younger players and I think he's trying to build for long term um, the foundations are there for Bill Ricky from the wonderful work Glenn Tamplin done to, to, for that to be a very good club I mean he's got a lot of stick um, but let's, let's, let's be honest what he done for that football club was nothing short of um, admirable and exceptional I think and um, yeah so their, their, their results and their lack of games I think that's the hardest thing the pitch they've had to deal with people driving on their pitch and stuff like that and I think for all of us at this level of football we have to meet certain ground grading criteria for, for the for the supporters etc and the, the ground but nothing's ever emphasised on the pitch and the pitch costs a lot of money so I don't know if there could be a way of, uh, of sort of, of trying to help clubs with, with some funding for the pitches um, because we all want to see see better pitches out there and, and the weather we can't do nothing about it unfortunately so so yeah Billericke I don't, I don't know Is it, they're a tough one they're, they're another one we're wanting to catch they, wouldn't surprise me if they go on a run and climb the table but let's hope they're one of the ones that don't as well one thing that's impressed me with Jamie O'Hara I've said it on the pod before is the fact he's gone in at Billericke and got his hands dirty and he seems committed to the cause as well he's not just there happy to pick up his money is he no, definitely. Um, obviously, he, he's played an exceptionally high level of football, and you'd, you'd think he'd know the game. Um, but managing at this level, it, I'm sure, I'm sure it took him by surprise, so to speak. He obviously had the sort of role as player number two, um, which he dipped his toe in the water. But to manage at this level, I think, I think sort of some some people don't really understand what it entails and there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of things that come into it that aren't football related and i think the majority of being a manager at this level isn't football related um but yeah it is credit to jamie um if he really wants to be a manager and earn his stripes some people have to do it the hard way like he's doing and there's a lot of good good coaches good managers out of the game that think they've got a divine right to manage in the football league and and they haven't let's see what you can do down here and credit to him move to the top now wheelstone Vital win for them today over Dark in a very impressive Dark inside. Moses Emmanuel amongst the goals. Played with 10 men for a lot of that game as well. But uh, yeah, did. They had a little wobble over Christmas, but they, they, they seem to be on the other side of that. Yeah, they're uh, um, he, he, another good manager at this level, Dean. He'd done very well with Hemel. It surprised me somewhat, but it hasn't surprised me, if that makes sense, because when we played them at their place, they, they were very good. They were exceptional, and they're very good at what they do. They try to play at certain times, but they've got the ability to go long as well. Um, and they're another club. They're up there. They've got the ability to recruit as well, and they've recruited a couple of good players. And they, they are a very good side, and, and to win leagues at this in the, to win the league at this level, I think you have to have, you have to be able to do both parts of the game, whether it's playing, whether it's going direct, etc. And essentially, you have to, you have to keep the ball out your net. And they've got uh, probably the best centre half pairing in in the league. Um, in I think it's Connor Stevens and Jerome Akimo, where, where they were together there last year under our old manager Bobby Wilkinson. And, and at the start of the season when we played Wheelstone, they they were exceptional back there. And I think that's where it stems from. And, and so yeah I'm surprised to a certain degree but I'm not surprised still got to come here though aren't they Ian yeah of course <laughs> they have of course they have and um, a lot of teams don't like coming here for what the facilities the slope the pitch the changing room stuff like that so um, so yeah we're, we're, we're confident of beating anyone on our day and, um, and we'll make it difficult for them 
Yeah, Bath had a couple of uh, shaky weeks, but they're back in contention now, and another good win for them. They're up to second place, taking advantage of Slough, only drawing at Chelmsford. So uh, a couple of interesting results there today. Yeah, definitely. It's um, I know Ryan Clark exceptionally well. They've still got to come here, Bath, and um, we made it hard for them last year, and hopefully we do the same again. So Bath are a good side. He, he, you got to sort of you got to look at the players that, that Jerry Gill lost last year in the sense of Robbie Cundy going to Bristol City. What a move that is, and um, Anthony Straker going to um, haven't that that would have been a bit of a blow, and um, the, to sort of. The, the recruitment he's done with the youngsters, he's got a lot of loan players as well. I think that shows his coaching credentials and, and man management credentials for them to be where they are in the league. And they're doing a lot of stuff off the pitch with the with trying to get the ground ground refurbished and stuff like that. So it's, it's let's let's make no bones about it. It's Bath City. It's another massive club for this level of football, and and they're doing outstanding. As are Slough, um, they they've they've adapted to life at this level exceptionally well. Um, Bakes and Unders are two managers that I feel are two of the good guys and I speak to every so often and, and yeah, they've just signed um, Hodges from Woking and is that a sign in that sort of shows their intent trying to get in the playoffs and, and get out of the league? So yeah, credit to both those two clubs. They've almost forgotten how to lose, Slough. They either win 1-0 or they go behind and somehow find a way to come back, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's I think it's a credit to the two managers, like I say, because we played them um, early on in the season and we beat them one nil here and they had a terrible start to the season and I think they I think they had seven defenders on their books and after they played us only one of them that, w- that was fit um, so to go through that tough spell like they have and to come out the other side and then to be in the, in in the position they're in in the table um, it is nothing short remarkable. And that's not just a, that's a credit to to the the two managers, but also as a credit to the group of players of um, still believing in what the two guys are doing, and um, improving their they're in this league for a reason, and that's why they are where they are on the table. Yeah, a bit of a surprise they say, but haven't they lost at home to St Albans as we mentioned earlier? But they're they we thought they'd be the big challenges to Wheelstone, but they're kind of dropping off the pace a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, it's uh, that is surprising. Um, again, they'll they'll still be believing that they can win it. Um, Paul Doswell, another very experienced manager for this level of football. Um, it, it's I think over the two games where we played them away and home, they've been the best outfit that I've seen. Um, they're exceptional at their place and and at this place and and here they've got experience all over the pitch. They've also got legs as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's surprising the the current blip that they're having, um, but I'm I'm sure they'll um, finish the season strong. Yeah, final two results. Maidstone bad week at home for bad week for them in general. Three defeats on the spin. Now they lost at home to Bath in midweek and they lost at home on Saturday to Hampton Richmond Borough. One of your old players, Danilo. Uh, RC Didomo got the winner in the third minute of stoppage time. Yeah, I was. Um, I've been talking about him in the week. Actually, I still speak to Danilo every so often. He's um, he's a wonderful lad um, who I would have loved to have kept here. And, and the goals he's scoring this season is um, not surprising. Um, but he's added to his game this season over the two play two two sort of games we've played them. He's added something that I didn't know he had. He had. Um, so that's a credit to him. He's still he's still developing. He's still learning the game and. I I think he's a player that 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 
could play higher, deserves an opportunity to play higher. He hasn't got blister in place, but he, but pace, but he's got a he's got a good intelligence and and he's got that he's got that knack of being able to put the ball in the back of the net. So um, so yeah, Hampton are going going very well. I think um, Gary McCann's recruitment's been very good, and um, yeah, not surprised to see them up there after a difficult start. I've got to say, just outside the playoffs, you think they're dark horses this season? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's, they're a club in a good catchment area, aren't they? And, and like I say, you've got to give credit to Gary. He, his recruitment's been exceptional. They've got um, experienced players at the back. They've got um, legs and experience in the middle. And they, they've got a lad that can put the ball in the back of the net. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, they are dark horses. Um, I'm sure they'll be going for the playoffs. I'm sure that'll be their target. And who knows, when if you get yourself in there on the last day of the season, then it's a bit of a lottery and anything can happen. Yeah, the team who are in the last playoff place is the final game we're going to look at Dartford against Eastbourne Borough and Steve King's gone in and done a fantastic job there and again they're flying he's got the experience as well hasn't he and again Daryl McQueen got the winner today a penalty and it keeps Eastbourne down towards you guys but Dartford as I say last playoff place and don't rule them out either no definitely it's an, it's a, again it's another massive club at this level of football they they had a they had a tough start this season and um, Steve King's gone in there and completely turned it around and they've rose the table um, in sort of very good fashion we still got them to play as well and um, we still got Eastbourne to play as well so um, so yeah it, it, once again it's another very experienced manager at this level of football that, that, that knows how to get success even you go as far back to the his days at Lewis so um, so yeah, they're, they're they're an outfit that it wouldn't surprise me if they're in the in the playoffs as well. Real. Cheers, Ian. Thanks for the thanks for the roundup. Yeah, and as I say, many thanks to Hungover Town for their hospitality and then that is it. Thank you, Dicky, for joining me. You're very welcome, Luke. Okay, thanks for joining us, Rob. Good to speak to you as always. Yeah, and don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at an Elfal Time. Subscribe as well via iTunes and Spotify. Until then, we'll see you all very soon and happy football watching.